Hi, welcome to the Frequency IoT Podcast. This is Stephen, and it's Friday, and I am in Atlanta, but certainly wanted to focus this episode on Distributech 2019. I've been in New Orleans most of the week, and certainly want to share a little bit about um, some of the new smart city technologies, some of the utility um, changes that have been made when you start taking a look at smart grid technologies. But wanted to open up the show talking a little bit about one of the additional things that I saw this week. We've talked in past episodes a lot about autonomous vehicles, right? Some of the network enhancements that are needed for those, the edge computing that's needed. Well, some of the technologies out there are taking um, a couple of different approaches to it. One, uh, more of a futuristic approach of when autonomous vehicles are out there, right, and they're communicating with the infrastructure and they are doing most of the computing um, within the vehicle itself, it's still not a perfect world, just just like it is with a, a human driving a car. There's always going to be tough situations, unanticipated issues, and there's some technologies out there that are built around taking over the autonomous vehicle and helping it out, I guess, would be the best way to say when uh, it gets into a situation that it cannot quite quickly enough grasp. So a lot of that would be um, via remote, right? So maybe you actually have humans and, you know, quote unquote, a call center maybe, right, that are taking a look. They're getting notifications of a situation. They're able to get in there real time and help adjust from a human standpoint. Saw uh, a quick demo of that this week built around, you know, really what happens after that would uh, occur, right? When an operator actually takes control of a vehicle. And it's pretty interesting from the standpoint of, I know there were a lot of demonstrations at CES around this, but the demonstration I took a look at um, in person was an actual class eight tractor, right? That was taken over by uh, a driver remotely. Um, and it was able to perform some everyday duties too, right? So especially in the transportation industry, there's a lot of shortage on drivers, right? Guys are on the road, over the road, gone for long periods of time. But this scenario, we actually demonstrated some very common tasks built around that industry that were done remotely. Um, so the tractor, for example, was able to go and connect to a trailer. It was able to employ the fifth wheel. It was able to actually drive the trailer and back it up to a warehouse dock, right? And, you know, it's really uncanny to see that in person um, and know for a fact there's no one in the vehicle. You can sit there right next to it and see it. And all being done with, obviously, LiDAR, lots of cameras, lots of connectivity, and uh, pretty, pretty cool to see. But... Um, this week, right, there were a lot of things that I noticed while I was at Distributech and, you know, smart grid has been a topic for quite some time, especially from a security standpoint. So I did, I was surfing around the web looking for some security stuff earlier this week and I found a pretty interesting article. I think that in a couple of episodes back, we, we covered some of these devices in your home, right? And how, how chatty are they? How much information do they share? You know, how much information do they snoop? And we spend a lot of time talking about the hardware itself, right? Uh, 
whether it was a camera or a tablet device, different things like that. But as people become more accustomed to the options they have in building a smart home, I think a lot of the attention has been driven toward taking a look at, well, how can I secure these devices? Which you certainly should take a look at. But there was an article out on IoT News this week that talked about when you look at these devices that are inside the home, there's still one more vulnerability built around those, and those are the mobile apps that you're using to control those devices. Most everyone that's got some sort of smart home appliance, lighting, temperature, um, cameras, right? You're you're not doing that from a computer. You're you're doing it from an app on your on your phone. And the article was talking about how almost 50% of the solutions that they took a sample size of that the application was the weak link. So the actual application that sits on your smartphone, right? That uh, certainly is not near as locked down, hopefully, as your 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 home network would be. Right. That's where the vulnerability lied. And, uh, you know, almost 50 percent is a pretty large number of data breaches, leakage of information, capability being hacked right across those solutions, all from, you know, the app standpoint. Right. So even though the device is secure, no one can take over the camera. doesn't mean that they can't necessarily exploit something that is inside the application that you're using to view the camera and get the information from there. So. It's just a, uh, it's an ongoing uh, battle, I think, that we all face, and at least from a smart home perspective, of we can do our best to lock this stuff down. Certainly, there are a lot of benefits that we all get, whether it's turning lights on while you're on vacation or keeping an eye on the kids from a different room, right? There's, there's lots of things out there that you can benefit from, you know, energy savings from um, smart thermostats, but... Still today, there's still a lot of vulnerabilities that are out there. Now, at the end of the day, uh, again, it is in your home, right? So there are some certain privacy issues, but um, there are probably other items out in the world today, whether it be financial or anything like that from a corporate standpoint that may be more lucrative to hack into than your house. But um, just an interesting article that sheds just you know the second piece of that whole smart home uh, security problem, right? So we've covered those de- uh, devices before and a pretty good article. They've got a study there that you can actually download Download if you go out to IoT News and um, take a look at the actual findings in the study. But let's cover a little bit about what I saw down in New Orleans this week. So Distributech is a yearly, um, really good-sized conference really built for the energy community. Um, certainly it highlights some long-term traditional type IOT solutions that we've seen out, especially from a smart grid perspective. And then you're seeing much newer technologies, not only in that space alone, but newer technologies that cross over into the smart cities type of arena. So certainly years and years ago, one of the more prevalent IOT solutions was based around the automated metering technologies, right? AMI, where um, even the day when we talk about LoRa and BLE networks, right? Those are your first type of networks where you've got a remote meter device that's using some form of Zigbee or other wireless technology to basically get back to a collector slash gateway. And 
not a lot has changed in those technologies today, except for the fact that they're they're pretty prevalent. It's probably um, very difficult to find places in the United States and large metropolitan areas where AMI is not a popular solution. Um, and then certainly one of the next steps that we saw in Smart Grid was the capability to take a look at outages. Right, so we had all these line fault detectors that went out, and they also connected the um, back to gateways collector units, and uh, were able to send pretty close to real time data, um, so that you could detect spikes, outages, different items like that. So lots of that was on the display at Distributech. Still very popular, uh, proven technology that's out there. Now, one piece that you know, if you want to tie that directly. Uh, back. So let's say you're using some of this technology from a, a line fault kind of um, detection and you're getting information back saying, hey, there's a problem, there's a spike, there's something wrong. Certainly drones have taken over uh, from a consumer market um, at a fairly rapid pace. But it was very interesting to see a lot of the companies that had, that had built very spe- use case specific drones, um, and a lot of this built around the smart grid infrastructure. So, giving the electrical company, the co-op, um, the uh, capability to do true inspections on some of these high tension, much higher power lines, not the ones that are on the streets, right? But being able to visually inspect those with, you know, 4K cameras, right? So you can get very good detail, very good information um, in real time from those. But not just your normal quadcopter type stuff. A lot of the drones that I saw there at the show um, had specialized, you know, almost cages around them, right? So the last thing you want to do is uh, certainly run a quadcopter into a power line. So they had uh, spent a good amount of time of not only making sure that the uh, the drone itself was safe, but to make sure that the infrastructure, the power lines would be safe while you're using a device like that to inspect. Certainly at a high altitude, can't fully control the wind. So it's really cool to see some of these purpose-built type shields and drones that were built with these shields around them so that they didn't, in, didn't impede camera view, um, still gave it the, the quality and accuracy of flight needed to do those inspections. Um, but not your everyday, you know, drone you're going to go buy at Best Buy, right? So <clears throat> that was one of the the core adaptations I saw when you start talking about smart grid and how does that really work. So when you when you lift when you left a lot of those technologies behind at the show, you started to see everything else that started to touch the grid. So certainly electrification was a big topic and um, multiple providers of charging stations, right? For all the new EVs that are going to come on board. Certainly that's additional strain from a energy perspective on the grid. You know, 10 years ago, we didn't have a lot of cars plugging in and charging themselves. So the actual usage of pure energy certainly will go up. And to take a look at some of those charging stations and just... Um, how they're adopting to become more user-friendly, more prevalent, and how can you gain additional services out, outside of, hey, I just want power, here's my credit card, right? All these additional services they're trying to layer on top of it at the same time. So 
certainly electrification um, in the vehicle standpoint is not going to slow down. So to take a look at some of those new technologies um, was actually pretty cool. Certainly a lot of software companies there, data analytics, big data, right? Trying to understand how do we collect, you know, all this new additional data and make the best use of it. So a lot of your traditional um, big data type companies were at the show, um, really purveying what sort of information they've been successful with already and what they were working on to take that next step into ensuring that, um, you know, we, we truly make the grid smarter, right? A lot of information is nice to have, but actually being able to make it actionable and do something with that data is certainly much more important. And there were, there were certainly a lot of, uh, grid hardware on display, right? So if you, if you really wanted to take a, take a look at substation hardware, anything like that, you know, hardcore utility type stuff that was, um, also very prevalent at the show. But as we started talking about all these items that connect to the grid, you know, as the infrastructure gets smarter, certainly there was no, um, no small amount of companies that were out displaying different types of smart cities technologies. So the most prevalent, I would say, at the show would, would certainly be in the lighting arena. So multiple vendors rolling out new LED lighting, right? Um, so more efficient, brighter type lights. Um, I actually saw uh, some of the data displays that were measuring, you know, just how they have to look at data differently because LED solutions and all this energy efficient stuff that we're trying to put out in the smart city infrastructure is actually, um, there's not as much energy to measure. So they've had to adapt to smaller amounts of energy being used and how you measure that and how you apply it to different types of solutions. But the lighting solutions, um, also have, um, tried to adopt more and more, uh, smart cities technologies built into the lights. And now whether that's built into the light itself or whether it's built into an appliance sitting on top of the light, um, certainly there's been some thought in the manufacturing of how many things can we bundle into the light itself so that the power pole or the lighting pole doesn't necessarily, uh, need to have quite as many things hanging off of it. Right. So whether that's, um, safety lights on top that blink, whether that's a air quality sensor, right? A, um, cellular backhaul, Wi-Fi type backhaul connectivity device on top of the lighting, right? There was a myriad of companies that had taken a look at how can we add some additional pieces to this lighting that most cities would be looking for anyway. Um, and it, it, I'm sure certainly it's a monetary play, right? The more you can build into it, the more you can sell the lights for, but it's also from an aesthetic standpoint. Um, how much can you put on a light that's going to be there anyway, without having to come back and do different things afterwards, right? So, uh, it'd be interesting to see how those, uh, over the next couple of years become more prevalent. And then how does that data start to coincide with all the other connected to devices, right? The, the parking infrastructure where the lightings are lighting, right? So, uh, one of the biggest challenges we've talked about before in a smart cities infrastructure is that you are gathering all of this data, right? It's coming from multiple data points, whether it's traffic, power, 
um, whether it's, um, you know, any of these new sensor type technologies, parking, right? You're getting all that information from different providers, most likely. How do you, how do you make the best use of that and how do you combine it together? Right? So certainly those software companies such as Oracle and some of the large data, uh, data houses, IBM, right? Those are areas that they're coming into play, working with cities and saying, you know, you've got all of this data. Now you need to, you know, take this big data and make it usable. So Overall, great show down in New Orleans. You know, certainly a um, lot of uh, longtime players were there at the show. A lot of new technologies were there, which is always exciting. Um, you know, hopefully here in the next couple of months, we'll have some new IoT shows that we're going to go out to be able to come back, tell you a little bit about what we saw there. But um, for this episode, certainly appreciate everyone tuning in. And uh, we're going to get back on a regular schedule here shortly and look forward to uh, reporting some new interesting IoT news to everyone soon. So thanks for tuning in and look forward to our next podcast coming soon. Thanks.